Welcome to I Hate It Here, the podcast for HR and people professionals, making the hardest job in the world just a little bit easier. I'm Hibi Youssef. It's really interesting how startup founders think about our products. We think about them as ever-evolving, living things that, you know, we take feedback on, we appreciate that feedback, we grow it, it works differently for different people, we're, you know, constantly designing and improving. That is not the case so often with culture and operations. When I think about equity, I think it really requires, you know, first of all, taking an acknowledgement of the kind of overall social systems and the inequalities that we're starting with. You can't just come in and be like, everything's equal here. It's amazing um, because we all, you know, are not starting on the same <laughs> rock. <laughs> we're not starting on the same floor of the building nope. so many times. So nope. individuals have different desires for their own features and outcomes. And so there's got to be some agency in there and, and, you know, them having an ability to choose what they take advantage of, what power they use, what, you know, resources they're accessing to get to their place of thriving and place of, you know, their defined success, which looks different for everyone. The key to your business is success, your people. Get 15.5, the performance management platform that helps you improve employee engagement and performance. Visit 15.5.com slash demo to schedule a demo today. Discover the key to attracting, hiring, and retaining the best social marketers. Hootsuite's 2023 Social Media Career Report has juicy insights on pay equity, challenges, and mental health in the field. Just Google Hootsuite Career Report. Welcome back to another episode of the I Hated Here podcast, all about workplace cultures and how to make them better. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Desiree Morin. Desiree, welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here with you. Do you want to tell the, the crew a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I love that. You have a crew. We have a crew. We should people. Them. We, are we allowed to say the, crew, right? We're not supposed to say tribe anymore. It's cr- yeah, don't say that. Um, it's but you can like, I hated hearers or like the I hated hearers. <laughs> the haters. <laughs> the haters. You heard it here first. Welcome haters to an I hated here podcast. <laughs> I love it. Um, yes. So I am Desiree Morton. As you mentioned, I am um, a DEI practitioner kind of by career and just recently also moved into the tech founder space. So it's going to be a little bit ironic because we'll, you know, get to my hot take in a bit about why HR tech is not necessary. But I'm, I'm founding a company, so <laughs> I, am, I am, I am, a woman of many, um, what is it, yes. contradictions and yeah, fun little puns. I'm a tech founder, but also I have a hot take about tech. So let's get to it. What's your hot take? The hot take is that HR is actually a function of DEI and not the other way around. Ooh, that's interesting. I've actually never heard of anyone describe it like that because historically we've seen that DEI as a function usually reports into HR. Yes. So how would you imagine it then? I would imagine it the other way around. Um, so <laughs> such um, we're just going to so, flip it. Yes, we're just going to flip it. So I actually think that DEI should be up around the COO area in terms of really influencing all operations. And so where we typically see HR reporting into COO or operations, um, I think that DEI should either be over HR. I'm, I'm not, you know, super, that doesn't feel super important to me, but at least should be at the same level um, and should have the same influence on all operations, including finance, including HR, including, you know, all of the kind of general and administrative teams. 
I think a lot of people actually agree with that. Like I, it is surprising because I feel like the number of DEI roles has substantially decreased in last year. And maybe we'll get to that in a bit. But I do see a lot of chief diversity officers and whenever they're buried in an organization or like I don't report to this person, I report to this person. I always think that's very fascinating because if they don't have the influence with the other executives, like what can they really achieve? Yes, the answer is typically very little. It's like, you know, the window dressing, the party planning, and that is not a change management lever. You can't make change if you do not have the ear of the person who is making all of the operational decisions and final calls. Okay, well, let's dive into today's topic a little bit. And I'm excited to do this with you because you are a founder and you probably have a lot to share here. But I want to talk a little bit about building with equity in mind from the very beginning. As you're thinking about like launching a company or starting something new or being a founder, um, I feel like a lot of times the problems we're trying to solve as HR are problems that very much could have been solved had something been built correctly from the beginning. Mm. And so today I want to talk about that beginning. I think it's really still relevant to honestly anyone at any point in their company history because a lot of us are trying to diagnose why our company is the way it is. And so I'm excited for you to give a little insight on that today. And let's just kick it off with like, how do you define equity in the context of building a company? And yes. why is it that important from the very beginning? Just hit me with a softball. Why don't you? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Coming in. <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, kind of, you know, going going back even before, you know, equity in the workplace is just the, the very foundational definition of equity overall and how I think about that. A lot of people kind of confuse it with equality. And I think that that is two different definitions apart, but they're very different. <laughs> yeah, very different definitions. And so, yeah, when I think about equity, I think it really requires, you know, first of all, taking an acknowledgement of the kind of overall social systems and the inequalities that we're starting with. Um, Those don't get left at the front door of any office or any institution or establishment. And so you can't just come in and be like, everything's equal here. It's amazing Um, because we all, you know, are not starting on the same (laughs) rock. We're not starting on the same floor of the building so many times. So that's the first piece. And then the way that I define equity is that, you know, things are inherently unequal. And so we are really building our systems to compensate for that and allow for equal outcomes. The place where it gets a little bit tricky is that, of course, individuals have different desires for their own features and outcomes. And so there's got to be some agency in there and, and, you know, them having an ability to choose what they take advantage of, what power they use, what, you know, resources they're accessing to get to their place of thriving and place of, you know, their defined success, which looks different for everyone. So in the workplace, I would say like that means one person can kind of say, this is what I am striving for and this is where I want to be. And that is a realistic option for them that is possible for them. And, um, you know, that is possible and more and they can kind of uh, access the things that they need to get there along the way. Yeah, I feel like equity, a lot of times people, they don't understand. We all have different systems of like what's considered fair that's influenced by, again, our lived experience and our access to privilege. And so a lot of times it starts with just helping people understand what does equity actually mean and how does it show up at work? And then here's how it could impact somebody, but also here's how it could impact you. Because I think people really struggle to conceptualize it because we all come from different places. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's hard to acknowledge your privilege. Sorry. Yeah. For some folks, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, one day I want to work my way up to the C-suite. And everybody's like, oh, that that absolutely makes sense. I can Lovely. see that for you. Perfect. And then, you you know, you talk to someone else who has that exact same aspiration. And it's like, whoa, well, how will you get there? And that in and of itself is a signal, right, that those folks are not starting in the same place that those folks are being treated differently. And so even if they have they have access to the equal benefits or the equal programs at work, they're not going to to progress in the same way because they're starting from different places. That's a oh, that's such a good point. The starting from different places, I think we could all stand to like understand that because what everyone in the workplace is guess like as HR as we're managing this and people are like, I want to be promoted. I want to have my career growth. I want to do this. Understanding that you might have people in your organization who also want those things, but historically haven't been given them or haven't had access to them. And so I hate when people are like, oh, that's a top performer. All they want to do is get promoted. And then I have this person on my team who like just wants to do a good job. But maybe they also want to be promoted, but they've just never had access to say that. And it's never been fair for them to say, I want to be promoted. So they're doing it in a different way. Absolutely. Yes. I Yeah. We're going to have so much fun today. <laughs> we're going to talk about something. <laughs> Why do you think it's important that companies are building with equity in mind from the beginning? I often say, I mean, having gone from like DEI to this this founder world, um, it's really interesting how startup founders think about our products, right? We think about them as ever-evolving, living things that, you know, we take feedback on, we appreciate that feedback, we grow it, it works differently for different people, we're, you know, constantly designing and improving. That is not the case so often with culture and operations. Oh, right. Oh, my soul. So often with, with, you know, HR or with other operational functions, we say, okay, we've got 10 people here. Let's come together. Let's come up with, you know, our cultural norms and our values. We'll put them all down on paper. This will be amazing. And we'll revisit this at 500 people. Well, what about those 490 people who joined in between 10 and 500? What about all the folks who left during that time? Because those cultural norms and those values didn't work for them or didn't serve them or hurt them or harmed them. And so when I think about, you know, designing with equity in the beginning, it's not about getting it right on day one. It's about knowing that you consistently need to be iterating, seeking out feedback from, like you said, those folks who often aren't going to be the squeaky wheels or the folks who are speaking up for themselves um, or complaining or like asking for, you know, things, um, seeking out that feedback and then receiving it as really, really valid, even if it only came from one or two folks, because, you know, those are the only folks who are having that that experience in your workplace, validating that and then saying, okay, how can we revisit what we've created and be consistently iterating so that it works as folks join the team, as folks, you know, interview here at the organization and don't join the team and they give us feedback anyway. All of those processes need to be living and growing and changing as as that feedback is is gathered and as we learn more about the needs of the people um, who interact with our organizations. Yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned like the people who give feedback that then don't join the org. I think of all the inputs or all the opportunities people have to give you feedback about something working or not working. And I feel like sometimes we don't listen or like can't don't have the capacity to figure out 
how could I change this thing? Because mostly because I think HR is like given a million tasks and it is kind of hard. But the other piece of it that I think is really interesting is just the feedback, finding a way to like put the feedback somewhere so that you can return to it or come back to it at another time could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, so yes, HR has like, all these processes. Too many jobs. Too these. many jobs. Too many processes. Too many, too, things. Much. too many things. Too many things. But is there, you know, kind of looking at your calendar throughout the year, is there a time of year that the processes slow down? Maybe folks, you know, are the summertime. I know a lot of folks go on vacation. Um, and so then. maybe there's some, yeah, it's, it's typically kind of quiet then. Um, and so maybe there's a time that you basically create your own, you know, process within your team. And it's just like, we're going to look at all the feedback we've gathered. We're not going to ask for any more right now. We're just going to look at everything and not just from our current employees, but those exit interviews, those, like I said, those glass door reviews, those like kind of anonymous different sources of, of feedback that live on the internet. And I won't, you know, name any specific sites, but there are plenty of them. Um, we're going to seek this out. We're going to seek out ways that we can make our processes more equitable as opposed to only responding again to the to the loudest voices or to the to the folks who, who are pinging us five times a day, which I know, uh, 50 times. I know also happens. Like somewhere I, between five and fifty. Somewhere around five hundred. Um, it is also really interesting the the part that you bring up about like the iteration of culture and like the how equity plays a role in that too. You have to in HR if anyone ever tells you like this is how we've always done it. That's like a red flag to me. I'm like red Absolutely. flag. You cannot do things the same way you've always done them. And the process will not continue to be equitable because the more people you bring into your organization, hopefully the more vast and different backgrounds and perspectives you're going to have. So something that was built when there were 10 might not withstand the equity test when it comes to 50 or 100 Absolutely. or 200. I say like, for me, I set a goal of like once a quarter looking at our processes and I just run through them quickly and say like, what's working, what's not. But taking in the feedback from others also super crucial because I sometimes I don't have time for that once a quarter. And so like yeah. exit in, I think exit interviews are so powerful, taking that data and figuring out what is happening. And then if you have a large population or like one group of people that continues to leave your organization and you haven't stopped to ask yourself, why are we failing this one group of people? There's an equity problem probably. Absolutely. I put money yeah, down. So, <laughs> I put so money scam. down too. Um, I always, I always try to start with exit interviews. So whenever I, you know, have started a new role as a DEI practitioner or leader, I'm like, let me see the exit interview data. That's where people, that's where folks tend to get the most honest, because at that point they're on their way out, right? And so they, they are, they are no, <laughs> they are no longer afraid of the power of like losing their role or getting demoted or all of those things. But I think you also touched on a really important piece around outcomes, right? So the the hope here is that we're going to see equal outcomes. And so looking at those out, looking at your promotion rates, looking at, you know, your pay data, looking at who's in the room in these, you know, decision making conversations, what's happening during calibrations? Like what, what do those conversations look like? Just kind of gathering those pieces of data, I think also on a regular basis, as you're mentioning, and then I you know, didn't mention interview process, but there's 
some data there too. Um, it's a lot of data. I covered that in an episode <laughs> as well this season go. already with all about inclusive hiring. So yes, and do not, do not, do not just say like, oh, well, it's a small sample size, so it doesn't count because that is like the opposite of what we want to do. Yeah. The small sample size is an indicator in and of itself, but it absolutely counts every time. Um, yeah, and so yeah, looking at that for for signal too. I think like um, HR people have really keen like observational senses. And so if you are in HR and you're like metrics and data, also great, lovely, that's my love language, but just observing if any of your processes or you always hear from the same type of people, you're always seeing recognition given to only one group of people, there's an equity problem. And I think like a lot of the challenges we face in the workplace are challenges of is this an equitable work environment or an equitable process? And a lot of times the answer is no. And it's just figuring out how do you address it afterwards. So let's say someone's in their organization and they're noticing like a large wave of one population of people leaving. Like where would you start thinking about the inequity? So, I mean, by the time folks are leaving in waves, um, there is likely... A shared understanding of of some inequity um, amongst the members of of that group. I mean, honestly, I think you know, for companies that have employee resource groups, this is a really great place. You know, I would say establishing relationships with those leaders, recognizing them as leaders, paying uh, them, paying yes, paying, paying them, recognizing, compensating them. Giving them some support, maybe, <laughs> you know, there's a few things you could do there. But you should have a good relationship with them um, and you should have some trust built with them. If you've not done that, I would say start doing that today before you have the wave. So going, I would say going to that leader first and saying, hey, I'm noticing that there might be something happening here. And I just want to check in with you and see how can I support you in supporting your group? How can I support you in supporting the folks that that you're working with every day through your resource group. Um, and so starting as a, you know, in a place of service, I would say is absolutely where I would lean. And then, you know, again, kind of following their lead. These are the resources they need. Maybe they need, you know, coaching. Maybe they need speakers. Maybe they need extra mental health resources, whatever they're asking for, just giving it to them kind of without condition. And then there's like, okay, now you have these resources. Let's talk about like what it is that is driving this or what it is that that we're seeing and what are you observing, right? So then it can become more of a reciprocal conversation once they've had the support that they need to to be there. Because if there's a wave of people leaving, the people who are still here are likely not um, not doing likely well. not in the best place. Yeah. So starting Definitely with support not. and then getting some feedback too. Yeah. Okay. And collaboration, building in collaboration. How do you take your team from I hate it here to I love it here? I'll tell you with 15.5. Their comprehensive performance management solution equips HR professionals to identify early signs of disengagement, empower managers to build stronger relationships with top performers, and foster a culture of mutual growth where employees can truly thrive alongside the business, leaving you to never worry about retention again. Visit 15.5.com slash demo to schedule a demo today. Social media management is part of nearly every organization these days, but what do social marketers actually do? Understanding that is the key to attracting, hiring, and retaining a good one. Hootsuite's brand new 2023 Social Media Career Report is the key. Get the skinny on pay equity in the field, 
and other essential insights about social marketers like responsibilities, challenges, pay, mental health, and more. Just Google Hootsuite Career Report. What are some challenges you think startups or even existing companies have when it comes to building with equity in mind? I mean, I would say the biggest one is for an HR person specifically, right? It's managing the expectation. So for some reason, as I started, as I said at the beginning, startup founders who are not, you know, have never been in an operations role or never been doing kind of internal people work. We just think, I'll, I'll say we as a founder, we think that you should just be able to plug and play. Like, aren't there handbooks online? And like, aren't there, oh, like, isn't no. there just like a thing that you could just pull together and like do this and, and then just like move on, right? Like that's kind of the, I think, a really large piece of what an ops person in a startup would deal with because they're trying to move quickly. They're trying to like keep pace with this startup in terms of hiring or scaling. They're probably being, you know, really reactive to folks who are coming in and needing different things that they haven't built yet. That's the biggest challenge, right, is managing that expectation and saying, hey, this is an iterative process. If we're putting a Band-Aid on it today or we're, you know, doing this one thing for this one person who, you know, has asked us about this leave policy or has asked about, you know, this process that we don't have fully fleshed out yet, that does not mean that we are done with it, right? We have yeah. to come back and revisit it intentionally. And I think there's there's a lot of muscle building that needs to be happening from the, you know, the, the operations leader in terms of like getting that that muscle built for expectation from other executive leaders that they understand like, oh, okay, that was a Band-Aid or like, we will revisit this. This is an iterative process. Our employees are also customers or consumers of our um, of our product and our culture as well. So we have to take mm-hmm. good care of them. Yeah, I love that. The one thing I think about the because I've now worked at four startups, there is something seriously wrong with me. Sometimes I'm addicted <laughs> to like the chaos and the madness and I just love it and I thrive in it and it's not for everybody. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I would never totally understand. Um, but the thing that I have seen happen a lot in the startup world that like creates inequity is just that we do something for what's right right now. And they're like, oh, we just need to do this like one thing. This one person needs to go on parental leave. This one promotion has to happen, this other thing. And we do this like one-off. And what kills me every time is when I go back and I rethink about the one-off, I'm like that one-off, I just inadvertently created inequity into our system and into our process because I did something as a one-off. Yep. And so I think like if you are in an early stage startup or even one that's like rapidly growing, honestly, I think anywhere sub 500, you probably don't have like set policies on everything. I think like rethink your exceptions because your exceptions oftentimes create inequity. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Should I get it on a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. Exceptions create For the haters. Like, should I be writing this down while I'm going to write this one down? Like everyone. T-shirts hates. for the haters. T-shirts uh, for the haters. FYI, we made a joke earlier. I hate it. People who are fans of I hate it here are called haters, not to be associated with other haters in the world. These are positive haters who are trying to fix work for everybody. <laughs> These are positive haters. Do you know how many people will write in and tell me like the I hate it here name is like so off-putting. It's so negative. And I'm like, if you knew anything about me and what this is about. It's that I don't want people to hate work, but oftentimes they do. So all I'm trying to do is make it better. Yes, yes, yes. I get very passionate about it. Sorry. It's okay. 
Um, I love that idea of of getting rid of exceptions or these one-offs and being more intentional about them in the first place. And I also recognize that sometimes, like, this person is in their third trimester and needs their parental leave yeah. information today. Um, give them the and so leave. yes, please, please do. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think kind of that combination, right, of trying to avoid these one-offs, being really intentional with designing and proactive initially, like when that one-off request comes in. And then if you do get the one-off request and you cannot avoid kind of making it, do not forget to revisit it. Like do not forget. Make the exception, but say, here's what we're doing making forward, moving forward. It's a yes, but. Yes, but is one of my favorite phrases. It's like, yes, I'll do this. But moving forward, we're actually going to build a whole process so that we never have to make this exception again. That we have set and fair. Because while the exception may help an employee, if you're not willing to give that to every single employee, you are creating inequity. Yes. <laughs> and if you're creating, if you're doing the exception for your, you know, exec or C-suite or shiny new hire that came from a huge company that you yeah. are rivaling or whatever, um, and you are not willing to do that, that same exception for your frontline employee who, you know, has been with the company for years and talks to your customers every day, then that's a good test that you are not you are not thinking equitably about said exception. Definitely not. Have you ever seen that movie He's Just Not That Into? Yes. I feel like everyone, and he, she says the line, like, you are not the exception, you're the rule. Ooh. I think about that all the time. <laughs> I have a lot of pop culture knowledge in my head. If anyone wants to listen to another pop, another podcast by me, it would be just be about pop culture. But he like that's the line he tells her, like, you are not the exception, you're the rule. And when I'm like designing things for employees, it always creeps back into my mind. I'm like, we need a rule that like all of them can fall and if everyone gets it equitably, but then also acknowledging that some of the processes and the rules we set are also inequitable. Yeah. God, it's like inception right now. Okay. So <laughs> startup and startups specifically, but also a lot of HR teams are operating as like teams of one. They have like a lot yeah. of constraints. What advice do you have like for how to prioritize equity initiatives across like other business things that need to be done? when the company and maybe the team don't actually have the resources to do the thing correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say first off, uh, first of all, like community is a really important piece of uh, building equity. So if you are a team of one, I think finding a community of other folks who are in this work uh, at different organizations is going to be very supportive to you. It means you don't have to create everything or think of everything or, you know, um, come up with these questions or, you know, all these processes yourself so you can save yourself some time. You can also just get some support. Um, I hear you have a community that was not necessarily <laughs> supposed to be a plug, but like that was a plug. I didn't even have to ask you to do that. Oh, my God. I do have a community. It's called Safe Space. Anyone who's listening to this can get 10 percent off if they use the code SAFE10. Look at that. Gave it to everybody. Um, it's a great community because we do that. We literally do that in the community. We'll build something or we'll be dealing with something and we'll say, is this fair? And the community is like very diverse, lots of different perspectives, lots of different people. And people will chime in and be like, that's not fair because of X, Y, and Z. And it, I call it my gut check. Community is an amazing gut check for if you think this is not right, why is, why is this not sitting well with me? When you have a community, you can ask that question. And usually 
how you feel a lot of other people feel the same way. Yes, big snaps. So that's community one. (laughs) I did not pay her to do that. I would like the record to show if you are listening, I never asked her to do that. Um, but I, I, yeah, you did not. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> um, no, I, I truly believe that that is that's so invaluable. It's just like it's going to save you so much time and so much mental space um, and like emotional, like, yeah, all the good things. Um, two is building a community with other folks within your organization. So um, you have a budget, right? You have like your little money carved out. Your maybe. other, hopefully, maybe no money. <laughs> We're balling on a budget. We're balling on a budget. (laughs) If you have no money, then you definitely need to build some community with other folks um, within your organization uh, because somebody has some money somewhere. And so um, I think, you know, thinking about community as a lever for building systems that serve your people throughout their, you know, experience with your organization um, is really important, right? And so again, like this kind of, um, how can I support you? And then, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. And, you know, I have um, someone from your team or I have someone, you know, who um, is client facing or, you know, however you can kind of make it relevant to, to different folks within your organizational community that is experiencing this. Can you, um, can we work together to see, you know, how we can create a system to support them or create um, a, a process that helps to elevate them? Um, and so, yeah, it's not just HR's problem. It shouldn't be. Um, but I think so often HR kind of like, you know, we're the only, I'm the only person. Like I am the, I am it's the me. person. Um, it me. Yeah. So community is my yeah. answer. Yeah. I love that. It's community. You heard of first community, maybe not necessarily my community internally at your org as well, can help you fi- figure out like what equity initiatives are needed. Like even just asking your team, like, how do you feel about our promotions process? Do you think it's fair? Yeah. And if the answer is like, no, there you go. There's a project for you. And also like, re- like resources, right? And so that's, I think that's, you know, also where I was going is, um, you know, if this, if you have an employee who is struggling with X, Y, Z, maybe it comes out of like a professional development budget that, that you own, or maybe it comes out of, um, you know, a systems budget that, their their team lead owns for their operations um and maybe that then that operational system that they're kind of implementing to support that employee actually you know boost their efficiency across their team um and so i think that's like that's a that's a thing that we you know we tend to say like oh this is a one this is a people thing but so often people things are also business things um and so that's where the that's where the community comes in there too in terms of pulling resources yeah what advice would you have for like hr leaders who are juggling like the business priorities with the internal priorities like let's say at the beginning of the year i set the goals an hr person i want to audit all our processes and make sure they're equitable and build like an equitable uh, an equitable promotion i think promotions is my go-to because there's so much inequity in promotions but like i want to build an equitable promotions process and the business is saying we don't need that we need you to hire people and we also need you to do x y and z yeah how do you balance trying to get the 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 importance of an equi- equitable initiative across the line when you're hearing, but the business needs something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where I kind of adopt a coaching 
a coaching lens. Um, and so um, what I'm trying to do in these kind of conversations is really get to the root of what the other person is actually asking for um, or what they're what the need is that they're feeling, what's fueling that need. Right. So um, so often that is fueled by urgency related to some sort of um, reaction that they're having or anxiety that they're having about something that's going to happen, right? Um, and so, again, we're all on the same team. We're part of the same community. What is it that you're solving for? You know, let's get to the root of this. Let me, like, you know, ask more questions about it. Um, and oftentimes, you'll actually find there's, like, some commonality at the root of that because what they're solving for is, you know, six months from now, we're expecting to onboard this big client. So we need, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you're saying, okay, well, with an equitable, you know, promotion pattern, I actually think there might be some folks on your team that in six months could, you know, could join and, and you know, this leadership role um, they already have so much knowledge and capacity so we could, you know, um, kind of onboard them more quickly than if we were to focus on hiring externally right now. Um, and so, again, just like really speak like, you know, kind of getting to that to that shared spot and um, seeking out any commonalities as opposed to, you know, trying to um, treat it as an, you know, what is it? An, an or problem. A trade off. Yeah. Yeah. A trade off. There yeah. you go. A lot of business priorities are HR priorities. Yeah, really. Oh, I'm just dropping hot because people oh because people run like our businesses. Pe- businesses are humans. Exactly. That are doing things. So, like, <laughs> when someone comes to you and says, "Like, oh, an equitable process isn't like good for our business," it's like, well, do you want to hire a diverse pipeline of talent? Which we all know, the more diverse your company is, the more profitable it is. You're you're feeding the innovation, the creativity. You're able to better serve your customers okay, but you hire and spend all that time hiring all that talent and then they get internally as employees and they realize, oh, I'm not going to have an equitable experience as my counterpart or my peer who might belong to a different group. And then they leave quickly and you've just wasted money. You've just wasted time. You've just like, you know. Institutional knowledge is just gone. Exactly. It's like, oh, you want your business to be successful, but I don't want to do the right thing to actually make my business. It, It never ceases to amaze me. I mean, I want to stop. I keep saying this. I want to stop making the business case for DEI, but it sometimes is the only way a business leader actually understands, oh, my business is going to get hurt. My revenue is going to get hurt. So I have to care about this other thing. Yep. I mean, I think um, making the business case for DEI is frustrating. I agree. (laughs) But speaking someone else's language and speaking to what's important to them is the number one way to get buy-in and the number one way to, you know, move someone along on their journey. Understanding their motivations. You have to like, I always joke, okay, I don't, this is a terrible joke to make. Please bear with me if you're listening to this. I'm not an evil person. Manipulation. (laughs) So nervous. Okay. (laughs) It's like positive influencing. Positive manipulation is like influencing. You have to understand the other person's motives and wants and needs to be able to get your initiative across the board. And so if you want an equitable hiring process, if you want a leadership development program that like paths everyone to being leaders equitably, like you then have to speak the language of the person you're meeting, get them to meet you halfway, and then you can go accomplish your initiative. But without that, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize too that 
leaders within your organization have their own histories, um, right? So not only their own their own lived experiences, but their own histories with other HR people or with other, you know, managers, leaders, CEOs, whatever. Um, these aren't, you know, new folks who are just kind of like coming out and, and um, have never worked anywhere before. They have their own histories. They have their own baggage. And so they're coming into that conversation with you with their own whatever. You don't know what's in that bag that they have. It could be um, an animosity toward HR that you have no part in building. It could be that real sense that this is going to be a butting of heads and that I need to be ready to argue. Um, It could be, um, you know, a a feeling that they need to defend their resourcing or that, you know, that they do need to move quickly because, you know, in the past they've had a leader that wasn't actually bought in um, to, you know, to treating their their teams well. So I think that understanding motivations and and recognizing the the humanity that that really drives us all um, and then finding, like I said, kind of that that core. What is driving you here? What is driving this? um, This, you know, initiative or thing that you're bringing up is a really important place to start. Can't skip past it. It, Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah, you'll never get by and they'll always be um, not interested in what you want to do. I also think the hard part is like, this is deep. You can try to get by in, but if someone truly does not care about something, you might never get that by in. I keep saying that a lot because I just you will burn yourself out. And I have been there trying to make someone care. And if you yes. can't make someone care, you're going to have an uphill battle. Absolutely. So that's um, a thing that I can't remember the exact language or where I got it from. But basically this idea that folks are kind of on a spectrum, you know, in our journey, we're all kind of moving towards um, this this sense of, you know, fairness and equity and um, almost collective thinking um, at different rates different, you know, we're different places along the journey. And so I am always trying to find folks who are kind of like stuck in the middle. Like they're, they're interested. They just don't know how to go about it. They don't know how to prioritize it. They don't know how it actually fits in. And they're kind of, you know, they're curious, they're interested, but they maybe aren't there yet. Um, the folks who are like heels dug in, I am not, this. I'm not interested in this. This is not going to, you know, benefit me or my team. Those are the folks that I'm just kind of like, okay, like I'm not going to put, you know, very much energy here. I'll be available to you, of course, um, to, you know, support and and coach and answer questions. But I'm going to put my energy towards um, especially those leaders who are kind of in that middle and are willing to to learn. Um, So I absolutely agree. Yeah. Some HR teams, though, are tasked with like making the leader who doesn't care care for the sake of their employees, which like I've been on that team where like you have to make that leader care about that. It's a really hard place to be because you're like, I want what's best for the employees. I want them to have a great and fair and equitable experience where they don't feel like their manager favors somebody else based on the fucking color of their skin. But it's really hard to also be the HR person trying to create that that equitable environment for the employee and the team when the manager is not bought in. And so I have a lot of sympathy for HR leaders that try to do the right thing, but can't make that happen. And then I also feel sympathy for the employees who are then mad at HR because we can't solve the problem of an inequitable leader. Like my way of solving is like fire that person. That doesn't work a lot of places. So just it's tough all around. And then like I always worry about the employee. Like is our our environment giving them more trauma? Mm Mm-hmm. 
because a lot of us are living with trauma from our workplaces. Yes, that is very true. Um, I think this is where, you know, of course, senior leadership buy-in is crucial. And so, you know, being able to go to your senior leadership and say, hey, I'm having trouble with, you know, this manager and getting the buy-in and I'm seeing the impact in X, Y, Z way um, is a really, you know, kind of important piece. And it's not about tattling or like, you know, getting them on um, some list or something, but it really is about like, Sometimes, you know, the buy-in isn't going to come. You aren't going to be able to intrinsically impart it on someone, right? They don't want to do it. You cannot, you, you cannot change their, their soul Um, as an HR person. And so, yes, maintaining your, you know, well-being and reaching out to a senior leader and saying, is this a business imperative? Because if it is a business imperative, how are we measuring it? Um, And then that is what you are holding that leader accountable to alongside your business, you know, your senior leader. Um, And I think that's where, like, like, you know, we said before, kind of this business case really comes into play because then you're able to say these are the metrics. Um, And I don't think you're going to get there doing it your way, um, but I'm happy to support you with some tools. Yeah, I love that. Um, What so let's do like a a role play situation. (laughs) I am a first-time founder. What I advice would you give? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. HR after dark. Here we go. Just kidding. I am kidding. God. People listening to this are going to be like, these two, what, it, what is happening? Okay. Imagine you're advising a group of first-time founders. It me. I'm the first-time founder. What advice would you give them about building their company with equity in mind right from the start? Hmm any key steps they should take. So let's yes. say, let's, let's give this fictional founder a company size. Let's say they have 50, 50 employees. Okay. Well, then I would start by saying you already have a culture um, <laughs> at 50, <laughs> 50 employees. You already have one, right? Um, yeah. And so let's start by, by um, measuring that. And so um, again, you know, measuring, I think, we're talking, you know, about data. It's really, it's really popular or kind of commonplace um, to just like average things out or to say like, oh yeah, we've got like eighty percent of folks feel good. Um, yeah. You need to be looking for the places where folks are not feeling good, folks are not doing well, folks are not um, thriving in your space. Like, look for those, seek those out in the same way that you would seek out issues with your tech, you would seek out bugs with your, you know, processes, you would seek out, um, you know, negative feedback, you do QBRs with customers, especially in the early startup days, you're looking for that bad stuff so you can improve it. Do the same thing with your culture. Look for it. It's there. I promise it's there. Um, And then, um, you know, work with all of your leaders, um, including your HR leader, including your operational leaders, um, but also including like your sales leaders and the folks mm-hmm. who typically tend to be a little bit um, further away from these conversations to say, these are the things that we found. This is why this is important to me. As a founder, you are now the senior leader in the organization. That can be a weird spot to be in, but own it and say, this is why this is important to me and our business. This is the culture that we're striving for. Um, and this is, you know, kind of the the directive that our operation leader is going to be driving us towards. They have my full support. I'm going to be involved in XYZ way. 
let's do it. Let's get there. Um, and then be ready to, to, you know, support your operations leader in doing that work um, and be ready to fail like a few times between now and then. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always sound good. The town halls aren't always shiny and fun. Never. <laughs> I do love that point that you just made, though, about the like 80 percent of people are happy. What about the 20 percent? Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you are you're working with averages and you're saying like on average our employees feel this way, if you're thinking about equity, what about the other people that that don't feel the same way? Yep. We do um we do a diversity and inclusion inclusion survey and a lot of our inclusion survey questions are all about figuring out if there's equity to like understand if the, our processes feel equitable. Um, it's about 20 questions, and it has been super helpful in us understanding, um, is this a place where employees feel like they can equally learn and grow, that they're like given the same opportunities as others? There's a lot to unpack there. There are a lot of questions you can ask, but as much as I hate to say survey your employees, you should be asking your employees constantly about the processes they're experiencing, about the experience they're having, about how they feel, if they can if they feel like your environment is fair, that's yeah. like a really good one. Like if they say, no, they don't think things are fair. You're like, oh, well, equity problem. Here we go. Yeah. And I mean, so I mean, I think what the probably, you know, as a as a founder, it's like your company's your baby. Right. And so then it's like, oh, man, someone just said my baby's ugly. Um, like I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to fight. Like <laughs> Your baby's you ugly. Can, I'm just saying. You can take things very personally. Is yeah. what I am saying. Um, and you have to be committed to not to not taking things personally. You have to be committed to seeking out that feedback because it exists. There is like there is somewhere in some corner of your organization, someone who is struggling. There is someone who is wanting more than they are able to get. Um, and you need to find them and you need to um, determine what kind of company you want to be for that person um, and not just for kind of, you know, the the mass of smiling people who are adoring your baby and saying that it's cute. Your baby's not ugly. Your baby. Okay. So you heard it here first. Your baby's not cute. Just kidding. Um, so last question. <laughs> what technology? Sorry. Our world is all tech. If there's, there's like a new AI every day, I wake up and it's like AI that can wash your dishes for you. Just kidding. <laughs> I, wish. Terrible joke. Oh I wish I hate doing my dishes, but like every day there's like a new AI, a new tech tool. Is there any technology HR can leverage to actually help build equitable experiences at work? Yes. So um, this is where, you know, we started at the beginning. Yeah. There's so much it's tech that does, this, that does the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's so much tech that does the same thing, right? Um, and so I would say uh, what we need in HR and what we need in, in operations in general is um, probably a little bit less tech and a whole lot more innovation. And so um, as we've talked about, you know, repeatedly this process of building with and, you know, consistently iterating and consistently seeking, seeking feedback and looking to um, create change and to, to make things work for um, that, like I said, that kind of one employee off at the margins, um, or that small group of employees that, you know, doesn't fit nicely into your bell curve. Um, mm. I think when we talk about tech and when we start talking about kind of finding the solution, we can get really locked in, right? Like, oh, but this thing works so well. Like, I picked it. 
again, it's kind mm. of for for the for the leader. It's like this yeah. is my baby. Like I yeah. picked it, I vetted them. Like this is my work product. Um, and in reality, like tech is not going to be the thing that that creates the equity um, within your workplace. Think of it as a tool, and if it is working for you, even if it's lo-fi and not the prettiest thing, then like you know, kind of keep using it as a tool, but it will not solve um, the issues that people have created over hundreds of years. Um, And so I think that that's just, that's a really important thing to think about if you're spending, you know, hours and hours kind of Googling or doing demos or whatever, like tech is not, we, tech is not going to solve uh, the thing. It's, it's going to be, going to be the humans with the power in your organization who, um, which is UHR leader. You have the power. You do. (laughs) You have some of it. Yeah. You have a significant part of it. Yeah. A decent amount of it. Yeah. That's a good point. A lot of people turn to tech as a solution and it's like, it it can't solve everything. And the thing about like, there are a lot of acronyms out there, JEDI, DEI, DEIB, but like the E of equity is like you need to have fairness and everyone can access the same things. Everyone has the opportunity, the same exact opportunity to succeed. A lot of systems are built actually biased, and they don't let those people succeed. Oh, my it's, gosh. There's yeah. performance if reviews. Any, if, you're, if you're building anything, like, if you're building anything off AI, we all know AI is biased. Like, please look into it. It's very important that you all do and know it, that it does not. It's trained on what's on the internet, and there's not enough on the internet that actually tells you the experience of everyone. There's also, like, even performance reviews, men get more feedback about their accomplishments. Women get more on their personality. Mm-hmm. There's studies after I mean, studies show that. That's yeah, not equitable. <laughs> and no performance I mean, management system is going to fix that. Right? No, it's not. It's it's not. Um, and neither, I mean, so much, even when you think about, you know, like academic research and things that um, a lot of these, you know, softwares are built upon or um, let's identify your leadership style. Let's identify your, you know, capacity to do this thing. Um, these are shortcuts that, again, were built on bias because, um, you know, even the original research was conducted a lot of times with eugenics in mind um, or with, you know, kind of uh, disqualifying people um, in mind. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, tech is a tool. It is not, it is not at all. That's not the end all be all. Okay. With that, what's your one HR hill to die on? That's, I mean, hey, like let's stop making the same HR tick over and over again. The world does not need one more performance management system. Am I right? We got one more survey tool. Like, oh, let's yeah. measure. Let's, let's measure how inequitable your organization is. Like but that. then do nothing about it. <laughs> but then just like now you have all this data. Amazing. And it talks to your other data. So that's cool. They all talk to data is all talking. OK, so that's your, talking to. Yeah, that's my that's oh your my hill gosh. to die on. That's my hill to die on. Like DEI, especially DEI, HRISs and all of this tech that just talks to each other. Like, that's amazing. But if you're not talking to each other and receiving that feedback and understanding it from the, again, the humans <laughs> that, that are impacted, then um, it's not going to do anything. It's going to have a bunch of tech talking to each other. That's not the goal. The here. cloud, right? That's the cloud. The cloud. What's on the cloud? There was loud Or data talking to each other. It's all data. Some technical person is listening to in, to this podcast right now, and they're like, "These dummies." You know, a co-founder. My co-founder somewhere is like, "Oh gosh." 
why did I let her do this? Just kidding. Okay. Well, we have had a blast talking today. We really talked a lot about like how to build equity in in the beginning, how to challenge your founders and your leaders and work with them to understand their motivations, to ensure that when you want to build equitable processes that you have their buy-in. And we also talked a little bit about balancing the business the business priorities with your equity initiatives. And I love that at the very end, we did some fun role-playing about what advice you would give me if I was starting this from the very beginning. Um, and I hope that a lot of people take that advice because it was really good. Like your company has a culture, it has an identity and inequities probably already exist. So it's our job as HR people to go find those inequities and ensure that everybody has a fair shake at being successful in your organization. Also, please look at your exit interview data. Last, last nugget to drop. Like if you have please. a lot of people leaving from the same background, you got a problem please. and you should fix it. Please. please look at your exit interview data. Okay. Uh, please. We're begging you. Um, Desiree, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. We'll put them in, we'll put it in the show notes, but also just like tell them how to find you. Absolutely. So um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I think that's how we found each other. Yes, that's how we met. Um, so Desiree Morton is my name um and then my website for the, the startup that i'm building is um agency.com so a-g-i-n-c-i.com um had to get creative to get that domain okay. space <laughs> um and so you can find me there too and definitely you know let's let's chat book some time i love i love talking about this stuff can talk about it for days and days and days i love you love it i just said i love you that was so weird it's okay i received <laughs> I it. it thank you i love you too <laughs> Do you imagine if I ended every podcast episode? Okay, see you. Love ya. Bye. As such an HR professional over here. <laughs> I hate it here. I love you. I hate it here, but I love you. <laughs> Signing off. See you later, haters. They're going to edit us out. They're just going to They're like, literally going to be like, these two are not allowed to do a podcast ever again. My episode's going to be 30 seconds. It's just going to be my <laughs> intro and my outro. <laughs> that whole part where I explained what the haters were. Like, that, is, that was really good. And your outro. Bye. Um, <laughs> this was such a blast today. I had so much fun. I loved the perspective you shared about really thinking about equity from the beginning. It is so important. Inequity already exists everywhere. Don't make it exist at your company too. And for every yes. exception you make, that's another inequity you're creating. So just remember that. Thanks for tuning in. Keep up with all the latest HR resources by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you love I Hate It Here, tell an HR friend. I'll see you next time.